it's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, rolling into the 4 o'clock hour. Reno's in. Vegas is here, has been here. ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. Damon is doing everything today. He's the company. It's Cofield. We got Brad Powers later this hour. Woo! College football, 26th. College football kickoff on the 26th, so... We are nine days away. Lines are popping up. And then that's when Brad, who I think has over 1,000 bets already in college football, futures and games, really kicks into action because these first couple of weeks is you know big time for FBS, FCS matchups. And the pros believe that with work, they have a little edge on some of the sports books because the sports books are trying to cover so much and manage so much and set lines for – so much. So we'll get to Brad here in about 40 minutes. 69187 is the feedback line. That's our Finley Kia text line. 69187, code word ESPN. And Damon will be checking on the text the rest of the way. But let's get to it. Big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. Come on, a lot of these are your questions, so you can present. Number four, you asked me uh, one of my favorite questions that we get in sports talk, especially as sports fans. Yeah, a Babe Ruth bet was sold at an auction for $1.3 million. And that makes me ask the question, if you had the unlimited amount of money, what piece of memorabilia would you buy? Because I don't think the Babe is that special anymore. Ooh, that is a good angle. That is a really good angle. Now that... He's been passed by multiple people for the all-time home run title, right? He was passed multiple times going back to the early 60s and since for the all-time season home run total. Uh, The mystique of being a pretty high-level pitcher and then switching to a hitter, that's mostly gone, and it's been blown away because Otani's doing it at the same time. If you look back at the numbers, Dave really never did – you know, was never a full-time hitter and winning 20 games. He pitched a lot of innings. He had a couple of years where he pitched like 320 innings, but he had a, a handful of at-bats. Once they realized this guy is, he was so far in front of the rest of the league when he's hitting 45 to 60 home runs, they're like, you're not going to pitch anymore. But that's Otani. The Angels are like, no, you are going to pitch, and you are going to strike out 200, and we are, if we can win games, get you 15, we're going to get you 15 wins, and you are going to hit 50 home runs. Yeah, so, so maybe a little of the mystique is gone. Because also, I'm, I'm going to be an agent here. If you, if you, I don't know who bought this, but if you're 70 years old and you're like, hey, man, my dad would tell me stories, this means a lot to me, sure, go for it, spend your money. But if you're under the age of, let's say, 50, what does Babe Ruth actually mean to you? Nah. I don't know. You know, the funny thing is, um, we're going to get to a little Mark McGuire towards the end of the show. And as I was watching what he was saying and I was thinking about what I had to say, and I'm like, I don't think Damon even cares about Mark McGuire. Like, you're young enough, and this is not, I'm not, like, getting on you, but, like, time flies so quickly, stuff that you know, older people are like, babe. Now, now I'm like, I don't even know if freaking people under 27 care about Mark McGuire. No, 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 no. He used to have, like, I used to read a ton of those little short biography books okay. on athletes when I was All a right. kid, and I read one on Mark McGuire, and I was like, man. That guy was all natural. <laughs> <You> know, 
Before watch, I knew that he wa- was juicing. Watch what he has to say. <laughs> That'll be in the 5 o'clock hour. That's a mega tease. But watch what he has to say. You'll be kind of blown away by some of it. All right, I'll throw the question to you. Are you a memorabilia person at all? Would you buy anything that costs, you know, thousands if not millions of dollars? Something special. No, not at all. For our work holiday party, I won the Mark Stone autographed jersey. And I was wearing it to VGK games. And Q was like, what are you talking? What are you doing? It's a signed jersey. Mark Stone, the captain. And I'm just like... Yeah, man, it's a free jersey. I'm looking at it as a free jersey. <laughs> what am I going to do when I invite, what, maybe one of my two friends over? Hey, look at this jersey I got hanging up on the wall. Right? Uh, the reason I said I love this topic, because I don't care about memorabilia. I don't. I have nothing. Most of my stuff is all junk that's torn, and I still hang it up. Um, none of it's allowed in the house for the most part. It's in the garage. Like, like I have, I have posters that are worth 11 cents, right? But I have, like, SI posters from 1983, right? that I bought, well, my parents probably bought it for me as a kid, or that I got at a, at a Nets game, because believe it or not, Nets did have some fans. I was a New Jersey Nets fan. Like, I have stuff like that, but I don't take care of it. I don't value it. I would I would look for, like, cheesy stuff. And I can't even tell you what's cheesy, but I would look for cheesy stuff. Like, I always, the Nets, I'm just going to stick on the Nets. The Nets had, like, a two- or three-year period where they had these god-awful tie-dye uniforms and the era was kind of Kenny Anderson, Derek Coleman, and uh, Drazen Petrovic. Okay. Rest in peace. The uniforms were terrible. And I remember their ad campaign was like, jump on the power train. But then as you watch it, you're like, they're like, come see the Sixers, the Lakers, the Knicks. It was like every other team except the Nets. That was the whole campaign. But it was, the uniforms were just awful. So I would love a jersey from back then. That would be cool. But beyond that, I like, I, I'm, I've... I've never really even been a buy like current sports stuff. And anyone who listens to the show on a regular basis, I'm a bargain basement person. I don't buy new jerseys. Um, if I buy jerseys, right? You know, but I I really only buy like button down baseball jerseys. I'm not gonna wear a football jersey. But if I buy any jet stuff, it's all players who left. It's 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 on clearance and they just left this season or last season and it's under twenty bucks. Real quick, my thing would be because I follow a couple accounts expensive vintage wrestling t-shirts that would be the thing where i look at a shirt and i'm like oh man this rare like you know never been worn 1995 michael shirt for like 500 dollars. i'm like oh if i had 500 dollars, i'd buy it that's Uh, that that could be cool i guess i i have to i need an angle and then i'd have to deliver on that angle like that would be a good one cheesy old wrestling t-shirts that'd be pretty cool but the traditional stuff for thousands tens of thousands hundreds of thousands even if i had a lot of money that's not what i would spend my money on Number three. Uh, Devon says it's clear Jokic gets more joy from horse racing than the NBA. We saw a tweet, a Z, a Z or something, from the Nuggets where it was Jokic. And who the hell was with him? Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon was with him, and they're watching those trotters. And you notice what about Jokic? He's smiling. He's happy that Aaron so Gordon's there. He obviously so wins. Aaron Gordon's, like, there at the um the victory like picture with him as well, holding the trophy. He's so happy that his teammates enjoying it with him. He's dancing. Did the did the music add to it? They put music underneath it, and I don't exactly know Serbian music, but it kind of reminded me of the music that, say, in the Borat movies, they would play every once in a while. Well, like that made it even more celebratory. Yeah, Jokic, he freaking loves that part of his life. Yeah, I'm playing it now. Yes, the music does make it better. Yeah, he's having a great time. So your question was, he clearly gets more joy from horse racing than the NBA. And my response would be, and? Is that a problem? 
it's not so much a problem, but for the basketball people, the people, he's not enjoying it. I, I, you can pay me for free to be in the NBA. I think those people get upset about. But, but he, he plays a certain way. He delivers. He's always focused. It's work. Uh, you know what? It's work. He, do, he doesn't. For this, this is his side gig. It's an investment. The NBA, I think he just looks at it like I don't, I don't have to have fun working. Having fun is achieving and winning. That's it. It's just for you. It's 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 the bias against athletes because I could say some days I look at my job the same way, but it's the privilege of being in the NBA and all the money you why, make. Why isn't he smiling and having fun? Right? But think about it. At your job, like this is a fun job. Yeah. Is this the most fun thing you get to do every day? Some days, no. Exactly. Right? Which listeners right now are like, the Jokic treatment, the treatment you're giving Jokic, they're probably thinking that right now. Like this... SOB. I'll tell it's on a radio right show. He gets to talk sports all day. He's looking at sports. He's putting together sports. What's wrong with him? Why I is he having fun? To the gym today. So uh, I, I've been thinking about that all day. Uh, that I haven't gone to the gym today. I'm like, man, the day just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, for me, <laughs> um, I need that wah wah sound. Um, for me, uh, this is the most fun. This is what I got. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anytime I get to spend with the significant other, that's much better. Number two. Number two. I wasn't lying. I wasn't lying. But uh, yeah, work for a lot of people. You know, some days it ain't fun. I love doing this, but I got to dig myself out of this. Uh, back to James Harden. So, what do you make of what James Harden's doing? Kind of the ultimatum saying, uh, you know what? I want to be dealt. I'm not playing for Daryl Morey. He's a liar. Is this all going to backfire on him? Because there's so many uh, pundits out there, really, sports talkers, who are like, what is he doing? No one wants him. How dare he? He's got FU money. Not only does he have FU money, he's a man with nothing to lose. The most dangerous man there is. But what are you going to do to James Harden? By the way, that's what I'm jealous of. When you get to that point in life, <laughs> kind of that Dan Snyder point in life, because if you think about it, Dan Snyder, the owner of the Redskins, the football team, and and the commanders, like they're get, you get to a certain point, you're like, oh, wait, they're going to kick me out of the league, and I'm only going to get $6 billion for the team? <laughs> I mean, you're like, what's the threat? I can do whatever I want. And I think Harden likes playing basketball, but I guess he, I don't know, every two years he changes his mind and he's like, I don't want to be around these people anymore. So there are some people like that. Yeah, he's he wants to choose where he wants to work at. He feels he was lied to, where it's, hey, guys, I don't want to be here anymore. And then, oh, you've seen what I've done before, where people say, oh, he'll go pull out the fat suit. And I think that that's a very ridiculous claim that he just has a fat suit. But I do that think was kind of epic. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, year, yeah. I don't remember what year it was, but we're all like, wow, he looks a little It puffy. was the get out of Houston to yeah. get to Brooklyn yep. move. Yep. So maybe three years ago. But it's just the fact that I can turn it off whenever I want. I've got the switch. I can do it. So if you want Fat Harden, you're going to get Fat Harden. And there are some people at a certain level who can basically do whatever they want, and there's always going to be someone who wants them to work for them. Uh, Harden may be walking to that line, though. This may this may be at a point where almost everyone is like, "Yeah, for the trouble, we just don't need him." Or if we if we're going to get him, we're going to give you nothing. And for the Sixers, they're in a bad position. Still- you're going to get nothing for him, and you're going to like it. I That's think he's it. still too good. You know how people look at Westbrook maybe in the same vein. But Harden is still giving you an efficient. Oh, he's much better than. Westbrook yeah, he's still now. giving you an efficient twenty yeah. and ten. But you, the thing is, like, I, like I was just saying, um, he he gets to a point where he's like, "Yeah, I don't like it here. I don't like you guys." Like, is that if you trade for him, is that going to happen in like sixty games? Can you get a full season out of him and have him productive as your third guy? 
it's a great mystery now. Because again, when you have FU money, and you know, I mentioned last hour about Harden investing in uh, body armor, and mm-hmm. you know, has gigantic money. Well, you know, the story's out in the last couple months. Uh, body armor got sold for eight billion dollars. Yep. Kobe made Kobe Bryant made a six million dollar investment, and that six million dollars turned into four hundred million. I think Harden made at least a million or a two million dollar investment, maybe a little north of that. So if Kobe got four hundred in value. Harden got a lot. What are we looking at? North of uh, 80, 100 million dollars? Let's say 100 million dollars. That's pretty good. Whew. That gives you a whole new lease on life and a lot of muscle you can flex. The FU muscle. Number one. Number one. Oh, you knew flex that muscle. Carly Lloyd, U.S. soccer player who was not on this edition of the Women's World Cup team, U.S. She spoke out after they made the knockout round with a draw where they played poorly and they kind of looked happy afterwards that they were celebrating moving on instead of being a little down about their play. Uh, you think now she's doing a victory lap because she's not backing down from her statement? Yeah, you know, this was with Richard Deitch in The Athletic where she's saying, I didn't like what I saw. You know, I'm just I'm speaking the truth. But for me, you're still, you're not former player where someone wants to get a good quote. You're a former player that's still on the broadcast for the rest of the World Cup. Focus on the rest of the World Cup. Tell me how Australia couldn't get past England. Tell me about Spain and their soccer federation. Now you're doing the, I told you so. See? I'm never going to agree with you guys on this one. It's just not going to happen. Coming up later this hour, we're going to qualify another person for our uh, vacation to the Caribbean as part of the Lotus Summer of Fun. Rolling towards the uh, midway point of the show, Brad Powers, pro sports gambler, pro sports gambler on college football is going to join us at uh, four forty-five. Demond is here as a company. It's Cofield. It is a Thursday in Reno, Thursday here in Vegas. This hour is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Seven six six fourteen hundred is the number to call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Seven seven five in the north, and why in the north? Well, they have an office open in Reno. They've got two offices down our way in Henderson. And Las Vegas. I do have to finish up on the Carly Lloyd deal from a couple of weeks ago where she said, uh, yeah, I'm not seeing it with the USA women's soccer team going to the knockout round. Like, I don't see the fire. I don't see the seriousness. I don't see the leadership in the locker room and on the field. And then you guys got all mad. You and Adam Hill got super mad and started to attack Carly Lloyd. And Adam especially went scorched earth because – he suggested, well, she's just jealous, and who was she to even talk about the team? She wasn't really an integral player in the last couple of World Cups. So, you know, I was thinking about that today. For people who cover sports for as long as we have, do you know how ridiculous we sound when we're criticizing someone who may have been a key backup on winning teams and simply judging their value by how much they played? Like, do you know how many teams in the history of sports and even current teams that, that I cover, that Adam covers, that you cover, sometimes some of the most important leaders on teams are not the leading scorer or not the star player. It could be the, the 14th person on a, on a soccer club. It could be someone who's the whatever, you know, on the two line in football. It could be a bench player in baseball. 
just because she wasn't playing a ton and she wasn't a star player on the last two teams, she has no uh, right to voice her opinion. That's ridiculous. And your point earlier is also, come on. No, I got you, you, You're like, oh, I want us. Because she was quoted as saying, Let me, we should also read the quotes, at least a little snippet of the quotes. She had talked to uh, Richard Deitch about her TV role and on the criticism that got blown up and she got a lot of hatred for it. And, you know, as I pointed out, Female sports are new to this. I've seen this a million times. And the, the example I bring up all the time, when I say they're new to this, the example I bring up is UFC. Back in 2004, 5, and 6. And then when it really started to hit bigger and bigger in 2007 to 12, you know, the 2004 to 6 era was like, hey, we want respect. Please cover us. Please, please cover us. Then they started getting coverage like all other sports, and it's like money this, money that, salaries, rules, controversy. Oh, uh, you know, problems away from the cage. Oh, wait, what is this? Just cover the sport. We don't like the covers now. Like that's not the way it works, and, and I've, I've been predicting this forever. Women's sports is going to get covered. They've been asking it covered. But when you get covered, you can't be freaking shocked that people are shredding you. That's what happens when you get widespread coverage. And Carly Lloyd did her job as an analyst. And you can agree or disagree, but it doesn't have to get personal. Yeah, she said, uh, she told Deitch, it wasn't anything that was scripted. It was a reaction to what I was seeing, what I was feeling, what came from my heart. And then she said, I would do it all over again in a heartbeat in terms of the analysis. That's doing your job. It's not jealousy that she's not on the team anymore. You're confusing me with Adam. It's not, it's not. Because uh, you said earlier, uh, where's the analysis of Australia? We don't care. No one here cares. That's the point. All we want is analysis of what happened a couple of weeks ago. We are very insular when it comes, especially soccer. We care about us. And once we're out, listen, the soccer nerds, they got the whole thing to themselves, and they're very territorial, and they're, they're another group that gets real prickly, like, oh, you know, all these, these new fans, these newbies, they don't know what they're talking about. Enjoy your sport. And your small little crowd that, that watches the sport. But when the masses watch the sport, you're right. They may not understand soccer fully, but they understand winning. And they understand personalities. And they understand motivation. Uh, we get that. Okay? We're not new to that in sports. Also, I just want to say that this is what I'm talking about when you go down a little bit further. Because I, when I initially sent this question is, is she taking a victory lap? So I think maybe I was the only one brave enough to say how it is. It's a little look at me. Hey, I, nobody I, was like how you say you. Nobody was saying what I was saying. She's doing that. She doesn't have a radio show, but she's doing that with this interview with the Athletic. That, that, um, nobody had the stones to say what I had. What I said about this team. Victory lap mm, might be a little strong, but we all like to, and some people more than other others. We all like to kind of think like, hey, we're the, we're the ones who have the the sack to do it. I'm the only one who said it. Like I kept saying in the first hour, where's the Max Crosby criticism for the you know, tough guy act and saying he, you know, he needed to light a fire under his team. Well, you know, maybe neither team wanted to get into a fight and have practice altered. Um, but yeah, we all, we all fall victim to that. Like I'm the only one, which is when I hear that on other radio shows, I'm like, you don't listen to every radio show. Shut the F up. You have no idea if you were the only one who is critical, but I mean, I think, is there a, 
Is there a psychology about doing that in the media where the other listeners were like, you're right, you're the only one. You're the only brave one, Carly. I think it works on some people. <laughs> if you just keep saying, if you constantly have this angle, of like, I'm the only one with the, the, you know what's big enough. Yeah, maybe at the next World Cup, they'll when they're doing their pre-show packages, it'll be, and Carly Lloyd was the only one who said yep. that USA didn't have what it takes. Oh. So now they need to prove her wrong this time oh. and come out with a new attitude. Now, when they, if they win the next time around and they have all these mature leaders and people stepping up, we'll be like, yep. Carly, back in 2024, she told them what they needed to hear. There you go. I'll be waiting in four years. The only thing I miss from Carly Lloyd on the broadcast, um, as a felly, uh, felly? fellow, uh, I don't even you know. I should know this. It's my home state, New Jersey in, New Jersey eight, whatever it is. Um, I am almost guaranteeing that she cusses a lot, and I do off the air. It's just part of the language. Um, there's no one more filthy in my life with the language out of Jersey than my mother. I mean, it's just it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, so I know how these people speak. So if she had dropped in a couple of f bombs along the way, it would have been good. And that's why when I watch Robert Sala, and then here's the other thing: when you're around a football culture, and you don't have to be belittling like the Iowa coaching staff or Iowa football or the Northwestern coaching staff and what they're being accused of. Um, but I don't mind a, a bunch of F-bombs and screaming and yelling. Um, so Robert Sala doesn't bother bother me at all. I like it. He's cussing all the time. Yeah, I was watching. That's the, my language. I was watching the most recent episode of Hard Knocks, and my mother was eating in the living room as well. <laughs> and she just looks over and she says, he sure does cuss a lot. And as I'm watching it, it just keeps going. Yeah. I feel like he heard my mom and then yeah. said, you know, I can go more. Can go and it more. was just more F this and F that. You got to F and do your F and, F and job. It's like, okay, buddy. Now I'm agreeing with my mother. Really? Too, too much? F-bombs too much? Yeah. You can make the message to the team with a few less F-bombs. And it, I know it's uh, HBO, so it's not censored. So We've always talked about this around radio. Like when you do satellite radio, if you want, or you do podcast, you can curse. And a lot of radio people say to me, like, when I do that, like, I did satellite for a decent amount of time. Um, but a lot of radio people will tell me, they're like, yeah, I try not to. I try not to curse a lot. A lot of people think it's, you know, a sign of poor intelligence. Like, you have to go to freaking bottom of the barrel that you actually can't communicate properly. So you just turn to cussing. Yeah, he was trying to get a cheap pop out of the team. He was trying to get a rise out of them. I think that that's you know that's maybe that's his motivating factor of I've got a lot of fire under these guys because they've been stinking up wow. the joint with these joint practices in Carolina. I, I've gone on record that kind of communication doesn't bother me. I I wish we could try. I wish we'd have. I wish at Lotus we would have Hard Knocks Month. Oh my god! And everyone could curse at each other a lot. And then at the end of the month, it's like, hey, you got to clean it up now. Let's just try it. Can we also have our our like obligatory, um, you know, joint practice fight? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I want the like, full experience. Then I feel like we're having those. <laughs> I feel like that. I feel like that's that might be going on. But I, I love I love like that's a management style. I, I think I would grow tired of after a while. But I would not for three weeks or four weeks. I would love for the workplace to operate like a football team, right? Just be direct. Just be direct. Don't let things fester and freaking go off on each other. Well, and, and get it out. Because um, then there's a heartwarming moment. Because then there's probably a moment later in the month where, uh, you know, like a boss walks up to DeMond and just puts his arm around you and is like, 
you know, buddy, I know we've been through a lot, but I respect how hard you work. And you saw in Hard Knocks, like, uh, you know, I've been very emotional during the first two Hard Knocks. Aaron Rodgers, just it's just a whole different world for me. Um, and when Makai Becton, he's just a behemoth. And he comes over and he's got his armor on, Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, oh, oh, that's great. Now, yeah. now we're finding out more and more that apparently Robert Sal is like, we have to get Makai Becton to the point where he can play the entire game. Looks a little out of shape, right? He's so freaking huge that they're having to rotate him. And like that heartwarming moment with Rodgers with the arm around each other, like there's going to come a point in a couple weeks, like, do I have a right tackle or not? Because if he can't play every play, we got to go get someone else. Like it's that's the other thing I noticed in Hard Knocks is there, the episode two. There was a different tone, like, and I know Rogers tried to kind of dampen it down a little bit, but like there is a little bit of urgency here. This is not a team of twenty twenty six. Like he's old. It's now. Like the problems need to be fixed and and get on them now. Because I know he's the king of relax, but cherish the little things. Well, that too, but. Yeah, I think that the propaganda it's gonna it's gonna like show its way towards the end. Those like those last two episodes, I don't think they're gonna be able to put enough fluff on it if things aren't figured out. Three six four eleven hundred caller seven calling now. You have a chance to uh, qualify for a uh, four pack of tickets to check out the Aviators, and you're in for the grand uh, the big grand prize summer fun grand prize five day Caribbean cruise from Miami, including airfare to Miami, or you can just take three thousand dollars cash. Take the trip or take the cash. It's all courtesy of Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing. Caller 7 right now is in the Lotus Summer of Fun as a qualifier. 364-1100. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, talking a little football. One more thing here on Hard Knocks, and then uh, Brad Powers coming up on... Week zero in college football is coming up next weekend. A lot of the lines are out for week zero and week one, so we'll hit that hard. And then next hour for our Vegas listeners and for a few people in Reno who follow UNLV football, right? We have some transplants up there. Uh, We're going to hear from Barry Odom in the 5 o'clock hour. And also, I think one of the cool stories, and I want to find out a lot more about this guy. And by the way, this is why why I love – I like covering college basketball a lot, but by the simple numbers – a college basketball roster only has 12, 13, 14 guys, right? And a handful of coaches, a football team has so many stories. And there are good stories with guy number 58 on the roster. Not number 58, but 58 on the – if there was a full depth chart, there's great stories all over the place. Marcus Miller is another lineman who's emerged from the last regime and is now, I think, going to be a key part of this regime. So we'll have some words from him as we sort of got introduced to – Marcus Miller, one of the offensive linemen today. Um, again, the, the reason we like hard knocks on the show, the the work atmosphere on, on in football is awesome. The cussing, the kind of in your face, the sense of urgency, uh, the no dancing around issues. You, know, you just get right to it. And coaches speak directly, and sometimes maybe they cuss too much. And maybe it'll be a little more of a mature approach if you didn't freaking belittle everyone. I think people can do that when they motivate in management. But what do you make of the rookie show? So if anyone didn't see Hard Knocks uh, Episode 2 or years past, the rookies are always made to do kind of a little bit of light hazing by getting in front of the rest of the team and showing off some kind of talent. What were the Jets rookies doing? 
Uh, I recognize the one um, where they tried to do um, basically a recreation um, from the movie, man, now I can't, Stomp the Yard, where they all did like their steps. Right. You know, where the new pledges have to, you know, present themselves and, you know, do their steps. <laughs> you know, they just did a bad rendition of it from the movie. Right. And everybody was getting thrown by the paper. But then, like, the next group did a PowerPoint. Oh. Or, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. They did. They tried to use, uh, I mean, I'm going to sound like an idiot, an old guy, like some sort of technology where they they put together a quiz, and then you could inter- you could uh, interact on your phone. Like, so the veteran players were answering questions, but it looked like it was moving real slow. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think Mosley got up at the end, and he's like, you're all doing that again. Yes, he that did. That sucked. <laughs> but who, oh, wasn't McCall it? McCall Harmon. He was, was like, me, this, me call Hardman. This is the worst thing I've ever seen before. He was like, like he was legitimately getting freaking pissed. He's like, what is this? I'm you, with you, him. Yeah, you're supposed to get up there, play an instrument, sing, dance, do comedy, do impressions, something. Now I'm I'm freaking I'm doing a quiz on my phone, and we're waiting for the images to come together on a big screen. That's not a talent. Well, I inputted all the information. Yeah, it's. Great, you're a computer programmer. Sure, That's you had talent. to sign in to get into it as well. Yeah. By From the, the way, get-go. Stomp what? What was it again? Stomp the yard. Um, Knucklehead. If, if, if I was a rookie, me, me, <laughs> could I be in that line? Because uh, I, I noticed that that didn't happen. Yeah, I don't remember any uh, any um, <laughs> Caucasian brothers on the line and stomp the yard. <laughs> Not one could be included? Not one could do the steps? Not one's got some uniqueness to them? Nothing? I mean, not even the brothers were, you know, pulling it they off. They weren't. <laughs> yeah, maybe it would have been dangerous, especially with uh, Miko Harbin and freaking throwing stuff out. They were, they were throwing pretty good, too. They're yes. ducking. Like, this is not good. That was embarrassing. I apologize as a Jets fan. That better never happen again. Uh, 364-1100. We got a lot of uh, spots to qualify for our Lotus Summer of Fun, so get out on this. This is a great prize. We're, uh, this week, one of our big vacations is going out, and we've been giving them away for seven weeks now. It's a trip to the Caribbean. It is out of Miami. You fly to Miami. We cover that. Uh, it's all covered, or you can just take $3,000 cash. You take the trip or take the cash. It's the Lotus Summer of Fun. You also qualify for a chance to win tickets to the Aviators. It's courtesy of Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing, G-O-E-T-T-L. Hard to spell, but they keep you cool. Lotus Summer of Fun, cruise in the Caribbean. That's awesome. Qualify right now, 364-1100. Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, let's do it. By the way, I just got to text him on someone saying I needed to uh, ramp it up a little bit. A little more energy. All right. I thought it was good. I thought it was good the first 90 minutes. Get fired up. Demond's here. It's Cofield. August 26th. I know I make this big dramatic announcement every week, and it's been going back like 10 weeks now. College football is almost here. We're 10 days away. Brad Powers is in. Brad, how are you, my friend? You're making a lot of appearances. I appreciate you doing a spot with us, but you're a very busy man right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, will want me on to talk college football. Uh, I'll try, I try to help as many people as possible, but, uh, you know, I do try to tell people that a lot of these lines have been out for three plus months, and uh, it's tough for me 
that to, to recommend stuff that's already moved, you know, three, four, and some instances the lines move ten points. Eh, it's pizza money, right? Pizza money for a lot of people. Don't don't bet too heavily the first couple of weeks unless you got in early. Uh, Brad's Twitter account is brilliant at Brad Power Seven. I mean, now you're mixing in memes and angry cats, which I like. I'm a cat guy. Um, you were busting on uh, Fez's chops about what was he doing with an under, and then I just see this cat looking at me over and over again. I'm just laughing, so I kind of lost sight of what was actually in the tweet because of the cat. Yeah, I mean, I know how to push his buttons because uh, I know him quite well. Uh, and, you know, he happened to give out uh, a play earlier this summer at a worse number and then, you know, went ahead and that wasn't good enough. So he decided to try to use his massive 70 plus thousand, you know, Twitter following and gave, a, he gave out the same play at a, at a, at a worse number. So, uh, yeah, I had that little cat with the eye roll, eye roll type Sorry. thing. Serious stuff, my friend, Fezzik. Get it together. Um, not so serious stuff. I saw you tweeting about I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to read the story. Uh, someone wrote a story about the 101 biggest freaks in college football, and you noticed something about Penn State? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting article because, I mean, it's about, you know, what they're doing in a cone drill, a 40, you know, on the treadmill, you know, how high, you know, a guy that's 6'5", 280 can, you know, jump and all that type of stuff. So it's just an intriguing look at some of the players uh, across the country. But what I noticed was, you know, six of the top 43 players, at least according to this writer, and it's Bruce Feldman, he's widely known, uh, were on Penn State. So, I mean, if you got six guys and, you know, the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world only have, maybe two or three guys on the entire top 100, and you got six in the top 43, I don't know, kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit that maybe, you know, Penn State might be more talented than we think. I still think they're behind Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten, uh, but, you know, maybe this is, uh, as far as their roster goes, uh, one of the more talented uh, rosters that James Franklin's had. Yeah, I think it's always interesting when you're handicapping and you start looking at rosters, to try to figure out how much size actually means and kind of who has the dog in them if they're not big guys. And I'll give you a good example. Last year, UNLV, I think, was a like a two-touchdown dog. Maybe it was like 13 against Cal on the road. And they played him even, and they got jobbed at the end on a yeah. non-pass interference call. And I remember going into the game, I'm like, Jesus, it's like six, seven offensive guards, outside linebackers, like 6'3", 260. And then when you got out there, you're like, well – Maybe there's a reason they're on a 500 cal team. They were, you know, they're they're going to be less than that at the end of the season. Sometimes the size thing, like workout warriors, are cool, but uh, football a lot of times just comes down to fight, and especially in the trenches. And you can't always measure that when you're looking at someone, you know, who's say six one and three oh five as an offensive lineman. Yeah, the old adage, you know, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. Uh, <laughs> I would say that's why it's important, you know, sometimes to actually watch. I mean, that's why I like watching ring games because uh, it's at least one look to, to, to see these guys on the field. Uh, you know, whether it's them on a new, brand-new team, how they fit in the system, or it's a kid fresh out of high school. Of course, they're dominating high school op- you know, opposition. How do they do at the next level? And then you also, I think it's very important, to, to watch these first couple of games. Uh, and look, actually, eye test isn't the end all, obviously, depending on who you are. But, but I can tell you it, it helps me early on. I, and even the coaches. Uh, I would say a lot of the coaches out there, you really don't know what you have officially until you, you get going here in week zero, week one. Brad Powers is with us. Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter, Brad Powers Sports.
online to get all your picks. There's awesome packages up there. I know right now at SP Shoot, he's giving away a couple of your uh, your uh, season guides, so go check that out. Um, before I get you to break down some games here, one last point. Did you get a chance to watch the Johnny Manziel documentary? I am not yet. You, you, uh, you got to watch like I'm the only one that has it. Well, you got to watch it. It's not, it's not great, but the football highlights and the memories of a short time at, at Texas A&M are kind of interesting. And it blew me away that, and maybe I should have known this already, like that kid literally did not really look at a playbook. Now, I think they were probably overplaying it a little bit, but he just, at Texas A&M, he was, he was able to just do instinctual backyard, you know, uh, whatever, playground football and succeed. And I was just, I'm like, I don't, could that happen now? Is, that, is, that, is there that much of a difference between the NFL and college where a guy can be an uber athlete at a position like that and he's just like, I don't need the playbook. I, you know, frankly, I don't even need to be sober. That's soon before the game. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can't. Number one, I can't believe it's been ten years, ten plus years Crazy. ago already. Yep. Uh, I think the game has changed, though. Uh, I mean, there's, I, you don't see too much of that. Uh, I mean, obviously he's more of a unicorn the way he played, but I, I don't expect to see too much of that. I mean, the the, the different, the minute differences between teams, a lot of it's in the preparation, right? More than anything, I mean, because everyone's got got guys that can run in space. Everybody has, you know, an athletic quarterback at that time. The best program, Alabama, a team that he beat and almost beat, you know, two consecutive years. I mean, they still had the game manager at quarterback. Uh, Alabama doesn't have that necessarily now. So uh, I would just say the game's changing. I'm not sure that at Johnny's size that you can have someone like that. Uh, So, yeah, you know, kudos for him. He was able to pull it off, but... In the end, I would say, uh, you know, uh, it caught up with him. I'll put it that way. I want to ask you about something that you tweeted about maybe a week ago, but it's fresh to me. The NCAA denying some transfers is a travesty, is what you said. Can you tell me who these players are and who they deny transfers to? Because anytime there's a moment to bash on the NCAA, I'm all for it. Yeah, uh, you know, a couple of ones off the top of my head. Number one, the North Carolina kid, the wide receiver, is going to be their top wide receiver. Um, you know, he's transferred a couple of times, but I mean, extenuating circumstances each time. I mean, this last transfer from Kent State to North Carolina, I mean, there's a coaching change. Uh, he's on his last year of eligibility. He gets denied. Uh, another one, uh, you know, the, the, the quarterback for Colorado basically is cut. I mean, he even brought it up. I mean, he's basically cut in the very first, you know, uh, Dion comes in there and first meeting with the team basically says that, you know, he's got his future quarterback. So, this kid transfers uh, to Miami, Ohio, and he gets denied. Uh, there's some, you know, family needs for for some players. Uh, you know, they're moving closer to home to be with an ailing mother or grandmother. They're getting denied. I just, I, I don't get it. Uh, I really don't. Now, again, there's not some set precedent when it comes to the NCAA. If they were always like this, then then fine. I guess you just got to roll with it, but. I thought they were a lot more lax with the transfer portal, uh, at least the, the, the prior seasons and what they've been here, at least in the last month with their rulings. When it comes to Dion, where everybody is looking at Colorado, you see the reports, oh, man, Shadur hasn't thrown an interception all throughout camp. And it's like, well, what does that really matter? Does the defense that bad? It Would it be smart to just go ahead and take the under of whatever the win total is for them? Uh, price always matters. Uh, it's been sitting right around three, three and a half for a majority of the summer. There were some early numbers that were you know, fed into. Uh, you know, I am one of them. Uh, and I'm happy with those tickets. Right now, do I think they're, they're a great bet, like under three and a half? 
I, even though my numbers call for it, I mean, keep in mind that this is, you know, we haven't seen a roster completely overturned in one season. So there, there's more uncertainty about them than, than, than pretty much any team we've seen, you know, in previous college football history. So uh, I'm not willing to run to the window right now. I certainly lean that way under three and a half, but I got to tell you, another thing that's unprecedented is we're getting unprecedented. And if you follow them on YouTube, his son has a channel. And you get unprecedented looks of this team as far as watching almost all their practices. Yep. And, you know, I've been watching them. I got to tell you, I mean, I do see some pluses. I mean, I also see some negatives, but I think Shadour is better than I expected. That's his son who's the quarterback. I think the wide receiver core is better than expected. Uh, so I, I think the team could surprise some people. And so much that I got my first pro Colorado ticket in pocket. I bet it a few days ago, Westgate. I uh, was dealing that week one game, 21 and a half. I went ahead and took the hook there. I took Colorado plus 21 and a half. There you go. Um, I can tell you the number one viewer and probably the most joyful viewer of all of their stuff up online is the TCU coaching staff. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. Coaches, good point. coaches are crazy about yeah. getting any edge they can get. So they're watching. There has to be. I, I would guarantee if someone on TCU staff, he has. That's all they're doing <laughs> yep. is they have a staff, yep. staff members probably at this point that are breaking that down, getting the cut ups, and getting them <laughs> to the coaches. So I know Deion said they they've hidden some things, but my goodness, mm-hmm. what is there to hide? I mean, that's completely. We've never seen that kind of access before. Brad Powers with us. Brad Powers seven up on Twitter. Great Twitter feed, bradpowersports.com, to get all the information on all that he does in terms of his bets and offering you guys all the uh, the angles and the edges. Let's go a little hardcore on some uh, numbers. Uh, they may have been up for a while, but I haven't seen them. I don't think we discussed them. Some deep dive games. Uh, uh, week zero, La Tech is taken on FIU, and it's a 10.5-point spread with FIU as a dog. Yeah, I'm going to lean with FIU, especially if you can uh, find that 11. There's one right now at the South Point. Uh, that, that seems to be uh, you know an off-market number right now. So I would say if you're listening right now, I think that's the, the right bet to make there. I think 10's a fair number uh, on that one. We've seen a little bit of money come in on the under. Uh, La Tech's got a bunch of transfers. I think they, they're a high-ceiling type team. FIU overachieved last year. I think this year's team's better, but it might not necessarily reflect in record. Conference game. Uh, between two opponents, week zero, I'm always going to you know trend more towards the dog than the favorite. What's going to happen with the Miamis, Ohio? And uh, by the way, that was where the wasn't that the, that's where the cop kid got denied eligibility, right? Um, Miami, Ohio, 17 against uh, Miami, Florida. Yeah, I, I think he was running second or third string though, okay. so it shouldn't be something that moves the the point spread at 17. I'm actually going to lean with, with Miami, Florida here. Uh, my numbers have it closer to 18 and a half, 19, so. Slight value there. I think Miami's one of the most improved teams in the country this year. How could they not be? They were, I mean, borderline pathetic last year. I mean, at least they were uh, relative to expectations. Uh, this was a Miami team that covered one game against FBS competition a year ago. So I think ten, routinely a team like that that underachieves so much, usually they're going to get regression. In this case, it's going to be regression towards the positive. Give me the Hurricanes. This is kind of crazy because uh, the season hasn't even started yet, but uh, Hawaii in game number two, is uh, actually hosting Stanford, getting eight. Uh, would Stanford fall under the heading of an improved team because of a new coaching staff, a new attitude, or what's their roster look like? Uh, the roster stinks, to be quite honest with you. I mean, it, it's worse than Colorado's, in my opinion. So, uh, I mean, I have Stanford power-rated lower than Colorado. So, 
Uh, it, it's a really tough situation. Keep in mind, they can't bring in 50 transfers at a place like Stanford uh, in, in one in one off season. So the, the, this is going to be a rebuilding season, to say the least. It's reflected in the win total. It's down to two, two and a half in spots. Even reflected in this game. I mean, you, you mentioned eight. It was eight a couple days ago. It's mainly painted seven uh, across town, whether it's, you know, Westgate, South Point, Willie Hill. They're all at seven right now. So a lot of money on Hawaii. What do you do now with it? I don't think you bet it at seven. You're late to the party. What you do do, and this is in the weeds a little bit, is you watch the Hawaii-Vanderbilt game, a week zero game on that Saturday night, and if there's a book or two, and there will be, that keep that uh, Hawaii-Stanford game up, if there's anything that's you know uh, positive or negative in Hawaii's direction, go ahead and react off of that, because I'm here to tell you the market will. Brad, you're awesome. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Take care, guys. There he is. Brad Powers, bradpowersports.com, up online.